Welcome to Royal Grace Chapel, the empowerment center where faith comes alive through inspiring messages and teachings. At Royal Grace Chapel, our mission is to empower you to connect with God in worship, relationship with other believers, and enable you to fulfill your purpose for global impact. We believe in the power of transformation through the Word of God, and that's exactly what you'll experience as you journey with us through our plethora of messages. Get ready to be equipped, uplifted, and empowered on your path of faith. Be transformed as you listen to today's empowering message. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. Dear Father, God will bless you this morning because the entrance of your word giveth light. We thank you, Lord, because you are here to bless us. We thank you, Lord, because you are here to meet us at the point of our needs. And we thank you, precious Father, that your word is sent for to deliver us from destruction and to usher us into your will. Now, Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, the great teacher. Grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your presence. Help us to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Shout a louder amen. amen. Put those hands together for Jesus. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. Now, during the week, last week Sunday, I did not announce it, but on Tuesday we announced our Operation Macedonia. We are in the season where we are running our what we call Operation Macedonia. And um, you, um, you can open to Acts chapter 16, verse 8. Acts chapter 16, verse 8. Acts 16, verse 8, it says, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. What appeared to him? What appeared to him? A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And verse 10 says, And after, and after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for us to preach the gospel unto them. Now, what did the man say he should come and do? Help, right? You remember the man said he should help. But how did Paul say that the help was going to come? Through the preaching of the gospel. You see, in these five weeks, week one just ended. I have seen the prices of things go up. In fact, you know, last week Sunday I announced that we are going to, those of you who are women in business, We've been thinking about you seriously as a church. Uh, yesterday we were talking to about one particular institution over this same thing. And so those of you who are women in business, um, those of you who are doing trading, working, by Tuesday after the service, by the grace of God, we believe that by Monday we should have one or two arrangements. But by Tuesday after the service, we'll be meeting with you specially. Because when you look at the way the prices of things are skyrocketing, the prices of things are going up, if you are not strategic, uh, a lot of things will not be the same again. When you take 20000 to the market now, I don't know what you can buy for a month. True or false? 
When you take 30,000 naira, one person was telling, my wife was telling me that she was in the bank and the man was complaining that he took 200,000 naira to the bank, uh, to the market, and everything he bought was inside Ghana must go. 200,000. Is that serious? But the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, when things are like this, children of God, you must know how to be able to prosper and do well in that season. We are not fatherless. The Bible said, when you pray, say, the Lord, said, say, our Father, who at what? In heaven. Now, even when the prices of things have gone up, ma, sir, you have a baby. Have you seen your baby wake up and thinking? And your child is thinking, I say, ah, you're too, what happened? Daddy, I'm thinking. Three-year-old child, say, I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about my school fees. I'm thinking about how we are going to eat. No, is that normal? But because a child is aware that he or she is under a covering, they go and even the little they've eaten, they go and burn it plain, then come back. Say, Mommy, I am what? How much more our Father in heaven? So, in this season, as children of God, we must know how to engage in what will prosper us. And that is one of the reasons why we are declaring Operation Macedonia. Because you see, God does not bless in vacuum. He blesses in obedience. He blesses as a result of obedience to his commandment. Look at Luke chapter 22 verse 35. Luke 22 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no pause or provision, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, no. So when you obeyed my commandment to go out and preach the gospel to the whole earth, when you engage yourself in doing the work of God, did you lack anything? And they said, no, we lack nothing. Because you see, if you don't walk, no matter how many times you visit an organization, if you are not a staff there, they will not pay you salary. Am I right or wrong? You can go there, shake everybody for one month. They will still not pay you salary. Because why? They don't recognize you in the least as one of their staff. Now, the Bible says in John chapter 4 verse 36, John 4, 36. And he that repent, receiveth wages. He that repent. That was what he was explaining to them in Luke 22, 35. That this is what happens. He that repent, receiveth wages. In this season, you need more than prayer to be blessed. You need more than saying, God, please provide for me to be blessed. You need to labor for God. You need to engage yourself in working for God. He that repent receiveth wages. When I sent you out, did you lack anything? Say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. It maketh rich. So with your 10,000 naira, you can still build a house. How is that possible? The blessing of the Lord. 
It's not more money you need in this season. It's more blessing. It's more blessing because even the rate at which our Naira is going down is alarming. But the blessing of the Lord will keep increasing you. That is why I want to challenge you. In this Operation Macedonia, roll up your sleeve and get engaged in doing the work of God. Get engaged in doing the work of God. What are we supposed to do in this Operation Macedonia? Remember, the Bible said that Paul saw in a vision, a man of Macedonia saying, Hey, come and what? Help us. And he said, we then discern that God has called us to what? Preach the gospel. So what are we doing in this Operation Macedonia? Number one, we are praying Kingdom advancement prayer. Now, I know you need something. I know you need clothes. You need more money. I know you need to pay school fees and a whole lot of things. But he said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he said, give us this day our what? So, in other words, you pray about the kingdom of God and his will on earth before you pray about your own needs. He said, put that prayer for, but what do we do every morning? We pray about give us our daily bread. And we don't even pray about thy kingdom come, that will be done. No. Well, emotions don't win exam. Emotions does not win exam. Ah, Miss Mladi, are you? Ah, welcome from Jamaica. Rastafari. God bless Moan. Amen. Okay, good. Emotions don't win exam. If you try to use emotion to win the exam, you will fail the way I failed my first Waek. F9 all the way. I don't, if I see that my fellowship leader again, I will warn him never to do that to anybody again. The wall of Jericho fell down that wall. When we were supposed to be studying, when we were supposed to be reading, all that students were busy in the chemical, uh, chemistry lab. We are busy marching like cocoon. And my, the wall of Jericho fell down. And when the wall fell, instead of falling inside Jericho, it fell on all of us that were singing. Do you see that wall? The wall was supposed to fall inside Jericho, but the wall reversed. All of us that were singing the wall of Jericho, there was no one of us that passed by Yaku once. Did the wall not fall? It fell. But it fell on us. F9 all the way. So if anything, everybody tells you that it is emotion that wins exam, tell the person you, are not, you don't know what you are saying. So what I'm saying is that in the kingdom of God, emotions does not win. It is obedience that wins. Obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. So that is why you see that week one, we are engaging in the next five weeks, we are engaging in 100-hour prayer, marathon prayer. Different people are saddled to pray about three hours every day. So every morning between 6 to 7 a.m., we clock one hour. And if those of us who belong during this ICS, you know, we have grouped you into different groups. Then some people are praying 30 minutes every day. If that is what you can pray consistently, at least let your leader know, me, I will do 30 minutes every day. Then another person will take over from you. Another person will take over from you. But in every group, we are praying three hours every day. Now, not about your job or about your career. About what? Thy kingdom come. Lord, let more souls be saved. Lord, we pray that man that, not, that does not know Jesus, Lord, save your soul. Lord, let your will be done in our community. We break the hold of Satan over this community. We say, cut his lips, Shannon. We are praying about the kingdom of God. The second thing we are doing is engaging in soul winning. Engaging in soul winning. Some of us don't know how to win souls before. So you go, you see that in your various department, your leader will say, okay, let us go out. Let us go out. Let us go out to win souls. Some of you, some of your neighbors that have not been going to church, you owe them 
Look who you are following me to church this Sunday. Look who said, I don't have clothes. He said, I will give you my clothes. Look who said, my clothes is not iron. He said, give me on Saturday. I will iron the clothes for you. Look who said, oh, um, I, um, I don't have transport. He said, when you take a bike, I will be waiting in front of the church to pay for your bike. Will you do everything to help somebody come to church every week? Every week. In fact, this week is our special prayer week because next Sunday is 1st of November. It's the first Sunday of November. So this week is a special prayer week. With those of us with fasting, we are praying, Lord, do let your will be done in this land. Let me say this to you. It works like magic. Because the Bible said, I'm looking for a man that will stand in the gap. So you must engage all your friends. You, they must get in church. Next Sunday, as we do, as we engage in Anakazo this week, what is Anakazo? Anakazo is John Luke 14, 23. Compelling people, overcoming excuses that will make people not to follow you to church. That will make people not to join you. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us what? Go into the house of God. So you pray, you engage in soul winning, and you also engage in Anakazo. Anakazo is that you take your friends by fire, by force. If it means giving the person shoe, we are going to church. And let me tell you something. You will see the blessing of God invade your life like never before. This is our own Christmas gift for God. Is our own way of saying, thank you, Lord, for the end of the year. It's five weeks. So as we enter into this week too, I want you to roll up your sleeve and let us do the work of God. Either reap it, receive it, wait. When you do nothing, you cannot earn salary. Before God, it must credit your account. It must credit your account. It must credit your account. And I see God blessing you in new ways in the name of Jesus. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, Oh, that men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. For he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 107 verse 9. For he satisfied the longing soul. In this operation Macedonia, God is satisfying every hungry soul in Jesus' name. I said, my God, as you engage in harvest, as you pray, as you go out to win souls, as you help people come to the Lord and come to church, I said, it will meet you at the very point of your needs in the name of Jesus. It will satisfy you with his goodness in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible said, where there is a casting down, you shall say what? There is what? Say, this is my season of lifting up. Say, this is my season of lifting up. So I want to encourage you, get involved. Tell your neighbor, get involved. So 6 a.m., be online to pray. Tuesday, get your friends to come. Those of you who are joining online, you get them to join online. This coming Friday is glory night, hallelujah. And it's a special glory night. Amen. That is why I want to encourage you, as you end the month of October, this week, engage in fasting. Because next, this week, why do I say you engage in fasting? Engage in fasting and praying for this operation, Macedonia. Lord, I will not be burdened under this operation. Leave your own problem aside and see Jesus invade your space. Then one of the things we are telling you is that on Friday, when we begin to pray, everybody, you come with your prayer request. Next Sunday is when we are doing the turnaround power of prayer. And the prayer requests I want you to write are things that specifically you want God to do for you before the year runs to an end. God will attend to all of them as you also do his own will. So your prayer request specifically should be things you want the Lord to do for you before this year runs to an end. Because with God, nothing shall be what? 
impossible. So gather those prayer requests. When we finish praying online every morning, you hear me say, now lift up your prayer requests. On Friday at the vigil, you will see me say, lift up your prayer requests. Next Sunday, as we come for the testimony and prayer time, you will see after we have prayed, you will still see me say, lift up your prayer requests. My prayer and my desire, and I believe God, that every one of those prayer requests during this Operation Macedonia, God will turn them to testimony. I said, God will turn them to testimony. In the name of Jesus. One of our brethren shared a testimony with me last Sunday after the service. That during GWI, one of the things he was believing God for was a change of job. And he said, Pastor, I am glad that God has done it. I am glad that God has done it. God gave him a desired job here in Lagos. And you heard another one also talk about miracle job. In this season, God is giving you miracle job. Others may be jobless, but God will give you more jobs, more breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet and declare over me, say, in the name of Jesus. Declare with me on your feet, say, in the name of Jesus. I receive grace to engage in this Operation Macedonia, in prayer, in soul winning, and in engaging people to come to the house of God. Say, I receive the grace of God to participate faithfully. Lift your voice and pray for yourself. Lift your voice. You will not be left out in these operations. You will not be left out in this operation. You will not be left out. Lord, we receive the grace to participate faithfully in this operation Macedonia. To help people. To preach the gospel. To help people to know you, Lord. To help our friends to know you. To come to church. To help our friends to know Jesus. To lead many to righteousness. To intercede for our community. Intercede for this land. To break the hold of darkness in this land. We receive grace to participate faithfully in the name of Jesus none of us shall be left out in Jesus name we have prayed now Lord I pray for your children this is the end of the year operation we are doing to put you first you are a covenant keeping God you said every other thing shall be added to us now, Lord, every prayer request that your children shall lift up in this season. My father, let them turn to testimony. In the name of Jesus. Now, may the grace of God come upon you afresh. To engage faithfully for your reward in this Operation Macedonia. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Shout a louder, amen. Put those hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. So get involved in Operation Macedonia. Do the work of God faithfully. Hallelujah. Now, we are continuing this series on church slayers. Church slayers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, New Living Translation. Ephesians 2, 19, New Living Translation. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You are members of God's family. The church is a family. That is why when you come to church, we sit by one another. We don't discriminate. In fact, one of the advantages of belonging to a church is that you, a, the MD of a, church, of a business can be sitting by his own driver or by his own employer. And in church, they are the same. A man a, um, was in a certain church, 
He has sent proposal to the company, but they, have, they said that every time he goes, they said that the MD is busy. The MD is busy. He can't see him. He's busy. He's busy. So one day, true story, as he was seated in church, they began to, that's what we normally say, interact. Interact. So he began to interact with this man that was sitting beside him. And uh, the man he said, oh, he said, oh, my name is so, 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 I walk in this. And the man said, so, 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 I also walk in this. I said, sir, what do you do there? Say, I'm the, it's my company. I'm the MD of the company. Say, ah, sir, I've, I've been coming to that company. They said, I can't see you. They said, I can't see you. Oh, sorry, sir. <laughs> of course, you know the end of the story. The next one said, come and see me. When they got there this time around, they said, so he said, he's my church member. I want to see him. <laughs> we belong. We are in the same church. I want to see him. He said, that is what the church is about. It's a family where, because in a family we relax, right? I said last Sunday that your mother may be anything outside. Your mother may dress nice outside. She wear the thing outside. But in the house, she remove her wrapper and call you and say, come and help me scratch my back. Right? But you see, your mother may be the boss or your daddy may be the boss outside. But in the house, you, you see him wearing boxers all around the place. Because in a family, we are relaxed. There is joy. There is happiness in a family. Amen. That is the, why the Lord calls the church a family. Now, there are three types of family like I explained to you last week. The first one is what? Organized family. The second type of family is what? Disorganized or unorganized family. Disorganized family. And the third type of family is what? A dysfunctional family. Family, organized family, they rally around a common vision. In an organized family, there is vision. You will see some set of family that everybody is a lawyer. All their, their father is a lawyer, grandfather is a lawyer. It's not by accident. From the day one, they know that in this family, we are families of lawyers. Recently, um, I, I realized that um, one of these singers, who is also uh, Femi Falano's son, uh, I, I've forgotten his name. Files, I mean, false, files, files, or whatever. Now, even though he wanted to sing, his father first said, In this family, you must first become what? A. Our CJN, um, Arowolo, all right, he swore in one of his sons as one of the justices um, of the high court recently. And I said, But that's organized family. They work by design, they work by vision. My wife was saying to me that, you know, that if a father had actually been insistent, the father told my wife that I wanted to go and study medicine. But my wife said, for whatever reason, she just rejected it and said, I want to go and study accountancy. Growing up, she realized that it should have, it should have been better for her to actually study medicine because she had all that was needed to study medicine. Now, several years later, she wanted to go and study medicine, but you know, you know it's almost impossible. Because right now, the children are there. You have four children. You are, you are an accountant. Now you have to go and now write Wayek again. Then you know, write Jam and all those things. So she, she said to herself, my daddy could have insisted. One of our brothers in church said that he was three years old when he told his parents that he's, he's leaving the house and they allowed him. You will hear some people boast that in our family, nobody tells anybody what to do. You can do whatever anybody can do. Even though they are boasting about it, it shows that it's a disorganized family. Because in an organized family, there is a vision. And I want to challenge you parents here today. What are the vision you have for your children? Your children will not just turn out well by chance. You have to have vision. 
Recently, I had to sit down with my wife. I said, what is the vision we have for these children? We have to realize that we must decide for them at a certain age, even though they know what they want to do. But we must help them by asking ourselves, what do we think based on this attribute they are displaying that, they, that will be suited for them? You don't just leave it to chance. Success will not happen by chance. Anywhere something is working, people are making it work. Amen. Amen. Then the next family is disorganized family. Disorganized family, there is peace. The only thing is that everybody does what they want to do. Nobody can tell anybody to do what they want to do. And I said, in Nigeria, I would rather say, for instance, in the south part, southern part of Nigeria, we have more example of disorganized family. In the northern part of Nigeria, you will see that they have more system of organized family. That is why you see that in the northern part of Nigeria, you will see that most of the time, governor's children are marrying governor's children. President are marrying president. You go and check. When, the moment the man becomes president, in one way or the other, so he must give out one of his children. Like, it's a way of maintaining that political clout. You may think that it's not working, but it's working for them. It's working for them. It's working for them. You see that all their children are schooling abroad. They are schooling abroad. Why? They are preparing them to come and take over from them here. Hallelujah. Disorganized family. So in a disorganized family, there is no common vision. They cannot produce lawyers continuously. They cannot produce doctors continuously. They cannot produce results. The result is not consistent from one generation to the other because there is no plan. There is no vision. The last type of family is dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional family is where chaos reigns. Everybody are suspicious of the other person. They don't help one another. You hear somebody say, ah, my uncle is abroad, but he has never visited his uncle's house. So this one we call, ah, that your uncle is the one that killed your mother. This one is a witch. That one is a wizard. This one is this. And the person they are saying is a witch. All right? She has trained all her children and they have grown up. You that you are not a witch, you are not sent anyone to primary school. And you are telling your own children, don't ask or say with that one because it's a witch. Don't you think that that kind of witchcraft is what you need? The witchcraft that will make children graduate. Do you, in a dysfunctional family, there is chaos. Brothers are killing brothers, sisters are killing sisters. They are fighting. You see, most of us here, we grew up in a family that does not even, that have not even come together on a Christmas day once. To say we are eating together on a Christmas day. They cannot go and visit one another because even when they go and visit one another, they cannot eat in their house. It is a dysfunctional family. And what happens is that they carry so much potential, but they don't break through in life. Because you see, they will be able to help outsiders, but their own people, they are not able to help them. Because why? Satan has scattered the family. So they, they, they are connected, but that connection is not benefiting their own family. Because it's a dysfunctional family. So you see, in a dysfunctional family, some children don't even go to school at all. So this part of the family, they are educated. These ones are not educated. Because these ones don't see these ones that even though we are family, one of the obligations is to help one another to rise up in life. When Davido was singing, he said, oh, he sang one song. But when you look at the Adeleke family, all right, they are a, a, a good example of the benefit of having an organized family. Because look at, David said they, they helped him when he was starting his music career and they were able to give him a leap. Today, you see that that family are family that is filled with billionaires. Billionaires. It's not by accident. It's because, you see, when a family is organized, the connection that every one of them have, they all benefit from it. When a family is dysfunctional, the connection they have does not benefit them. Amen. 
Now, so when we are now talking about church layers, we are saying that in church layers, what, what is church layer? That God's will is to build an organized family. It's for every church to be organized. When a church is organized, both the poor and the rich, they sit down together in harmony. People are helped. When a church is organized, people are lifted up. In fact, when a church is organized, at a point you will not be able to see between the rich and the poor. Recently, when I was, when we, when I was talking, something, the, the program we are trying to do for our business women in church, I had to talk to somebody who works in the bank in our church. And I said, you know, during this economy, this thing, we need your bank to do something for our members. You are a, uh, we are, and I told him that this is what we want to do in our church. And we want to partner with your bank. Because we have a lot of businessmen in our church that needs to, we need to stand by them during this. We don't want to leave them. Because as a church, we cannot just be talking about uh, uh, give your tithe, give your offering. It is when the people are more blessed that they can give more tithe. And they said, you know, Pastor, give me till Monday. All right, I will go and talk to our bank manager. You know, we don't, we don't have the package you are looking at, but I think we can do something. We can do something. I will not tell you the rest of the thing, but you see, it's because he is in, in our church. I could not have just walked into any bank like that and submit that proposal because I have an idea of what I really want them to do. But now, that thing is going to fly to a large extent because there's a member of our church who understood what I want, who then said, okay, I'm going to take it to the bank in the mon on by Monday. I'm going to talk to you about it. And I will give you a feedback. That is what organized family does. We look for a way to help one another, to stand by one another, thank you, to stand by one another, to, to be with one another through the thick and the thin. And the, the, what the devil wants is for the church never to become an organized family. Amen, somebody. So what does, when we are talking about God's vision for his church. God's vision for his church is for his church to be a glorious church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Ephesians 5 25. Husband, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water and by the word. Now look at verse 27. That he might present to himself a glorious church. An organized church is a glorious church. That he might present to himself a what kind of church? What kind of church? What is a glorious church? A glorious church is a church that is filled with love and unity. A glorious church is a love church that the love of God is reigning among the people. You heard the song that the chorister sang. I love this family of God. So closely we are knitted into one. The more united we are, we become, the more glorious the church is. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, first John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now look at verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is Love. For God is love. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, who are church slayers? Or what are church slayers? Church slayers are disloyal people within a church or within the church that the devil uses to spread offense 
church layers are people, individuals within the church that the devil uses to spread offense. Are you there? Accusations and disunity in the church. In other words, a church slayer is anyone that the devil has employed, the devil has engaged to weaken or destroy the church through the spreading of rumors, offense, and disunity. You see, these people, they are engaged by the devil by themselves. They don't even know it. Some of them will even justify what they are doing. But when you look at it, you realize that what you are doing is bringing disunity. It's causing spread of offense. Rumors in the church. And eventually, the church becomes weakened and destroyed. Those are church layers. So church layers are disloyal people. Disloyal individuals. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. New Living Translations. It says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Second Timothy 2.25. God will change those people's hearts. And they will learn the truth. They will come to their senses. You see, they are out of their senses in the first place. And escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. They have been held captive by him to do what? So church slayers are people that the devil has taken captive to do what he wants. And what does the devil want? The devil wants quarrel in the church. He wants disunity in the church. He wants division in the church. He wants the church not to grow. Because when there is love, the spirit of God will move in that place. When we are united, the spirit of God will move. There will be more miracles. There will be more testimonies. But when there is disunity, instead of winning souls, instead of going out there to go and preach the gospel, instead of fighting the devil, do you know who will be fighting? One another. The gun that is supposed to be for the devil, we are now using it to fight one another. So you see people gathering to talk people down, to run people down, to do this and that. And the main work we are supposed to do, which is so winning, it's not being done. We are not able to affect the, our generation and our community. And the devil begins to have upper hand. And the church will begin to be reduced, reduced until the church is no more. Say with me, church slayers have no place in this place. Hallelujah. So the end goal of a church slayer is to spread offense, bitterness, and division. That's why we call them disloyal people. Disloyalty. That's the spirit that works in them. The end goal is to spread offense, bitterness, and what? Division. Loyal people are the people that spread love in the church. They bind people together. They spread happiness. They care for one another. That is what the church is all about. So this God's family must not fail. This God's family must not fail. Now the reality is this. Are you with me? In order to have a church that is filled with love, then we must not only know how to build, but we must also know how to fight the devil. John Wesley said, a church that only knows 
how to gather, but does not know how to prevent to scatter, cannot stand the test of time. Most time we are naive, thinking that, oh, because we are children of God, we are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, then the devil will not come near us. No, Jesus fasted for 40 days, and the first person he saw was who? Was it because Jesus has done something wrong? No, because the devil is attracted to where there is light. He wants to make sure that the light in the place is quenched. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7. We must fight and build at the same time. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7 says, Now it happened when Sambalat and Tobiah, these are church slayers, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. What are they? So, when they heard that we are beginning to close the walls and be, they, they were angry. Verse 8. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create what? Create what? Oh, are you still here? You have gone home. What do they want to create? Look at the screen. What do they want to create? So do you see that there are Sambalat and Tobias, those whom the devil wants to use to create what? The devil's aim to, is to use them to do what? And when there is confusion, we cannot build. We can build. We can build. Wherever there is confusion, building cannot take place. When they were building the Tower of Babel, God said, let their language not be what? Understood. And the building stops. A church that is filled with confusion cannot be built. But look at what they did in verse 17. Everybody verse 17. Can we all read verse 17 together? One, two, go. Verse 17, one to go. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they did what? Held a weapon. Verse 18. Every one of the builder had his sword guarded at his side as he what? Built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Verse 21. So we labored in work, and half of the men held what? Spares from daybreak until the stars appear. This is how to build a church. We must build with one hand and hold sword with the other hand. We must say to ourselves, as we are doing this work of God, we are watching out for church slayers in our midst. Church slayers are disgruntled people, double-tongued people, murmurers, gossipers, all right, church slayers are people who spread offense and division. We must say we are not just building, but we also have sword in our hand. Tell your neighbor, build with one hand, fight with the other. Say, build with one hand, fight with the other. Oh, your neighbor doesn't like what you're saying. Tell your neighbor, say, build with one hand. Oh, I said, tell your neighbor. So if you have a tap, your neighbor, say, my neighbor, build with one hand. Fight with the other. Hallelujah. Now, if Satan could enter into Peter and he also entered to Judas, that means every one of us must be able to guard against the devil. That's why I now want to talk about disloyalty. Disloyalty means unfaithfulness untrustworthy. 
Disloyal people, or to be disloyal means you are unfaithful. You are not reliable. You are not dependable. Let me tell you why we need to understand this. Can you give me one of those chairs? When we are talking about loyalty, I want you to see this chair. When most of you came to church today, how many of you realized that when you sat on that chair, you did not ask questions? How many of you asked your chair a question? That, can I trust you? Are you dependable? Are you reliable? If I sit on you, will I be okay? How many of you asked that question? But as you are coming, what did you do? You looked at the chair. Your mind concluded that this is a chair. And that this chair should be able to what? Carry you. So when you were coming, what did you just do? You came and just sat on it. Was that what most of us did? That is a loyal example. Loyalty means when I look at you, what I see is what I get. When I look at you, what I'm expecting is what you are giving me. Now, if I'm drawing near you, it's because I have concluded in my mind that you are a kind of person I can draw near and I can depend on. That is why disloyalty is very dangerous. Because disloyalty means the person has pretended that you can depend on him or her. Disloyalty means that the person says, I am a chair. And because you thought that the person is a chair, you too, you are beginning to share your secrets with the person. You are beginning to open up to the person. You are beginning to depend on the person. And you are now relying on the person. Only for you to realize that as you put all your weight, uh, what happened? Then the person, and you see, pa. The reason why you felt like that is because in the first place, you felt that the person was somebody you could trust. If you have known that the person was not trustworthy, you in the first place, you would not have relate with the person. This is what has gone wrong with most businesses. That the guy will think that, oh, I can trust you. You know, recently they arrested a, uh, a man who the boss was going to do kidney trans um, liver transplant. This guy was his assistant. If you go and check in the news, it's there. And he confided in him that I will be doing liver transplant and I don't know if I will survive. But he then, they are into cryptocurrency. So he then carried all the password of the company, that all the account, the master password that contains all the account of the company. He gave it with this guy. Then he left it and went for the, for the operation. Not knowing that the guy was already thinking that the man would die. So the guy took all the money. Go and check Google for it. He bought houses in Lekki. He built houses. He, he ran... He, even in the, in the video they show, in the picture they show, even police began to guide him. I'm telling you, police escort, he began to have escorts. Now, if that guy had had his way, he would have even bribed the doctors to make sure that that man did not survive. Now, why did he, why did he succeed? Because the boss looked at him. That this man, that this guy that is always saying, good morning, sir. I love you, sir. Bless you, sir. Oh, yes, sir. And if he, he has given the impression that, you see, is dependable. I would, you know, that is what happened to when we talk about disloyal people. 
when you check these loyal people, they have access to uncommon information. They have access to uncommon things. Because you see, the people will have depended on them. So you open up your house to them. You open up your business to them. You open up your kitchen to them. You open up your room to them. You give them uncommon access. Not knowing that as they are coming, they are even looking at your bag of Gary. And they are saying that this man will not help anybody. He will not help because if you enter his house, if you enter his house, and people will believe because they see him entering your house. And you see, the damage they can cause, you can never imagine it. Because the organization has relied on them. The pastor has relied on them. That was why when Judas came to Jesus, come. No, you will not be Judas, but come. You know, Judas came in the night. They've been trying to arrest Jesus, but they could not. But he came. There was no light. I said, Master! Mm, I love you. Even till now, kissing is a sign of intimacy. And Jesus looked and said, Judas, betrays your master with a kiss? Even you have come to kiss me, and behind you, you have brought people that will kill me. You are kissing me, and people have come. You have led people to, to kill me, to destroy the church. You have gone to spread wrong news. I don't know whatever Judas did to the ministry of Jesus. But it must have been so great that for people to look at Jesus and say that they, pre they prefer a thief to Jesus. Judas dealt with the ministry of Jesus by the time it was true. I don't know whatever rumor is spread. I don't know whatever it is that Judas did. That when Jesus stood like this and Judas stood like this and Pontius Pilate said, between the thief and Jesus, who should I release? And everybody said, the thief. Do you see what disloyal people can cause? That now, a old Jesus, son of God, king of kings and lord of lords, they preferred a thief to him. That's why we must know how to fight disloyalty. If we don't know, the church will cease to exist. Because they are powerful, influential people. Who knows how to talk? Who knows how to say things that will make you, if you are not careful, go for a thief instead of going for Jesus. You will never be one in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hand together for Jesus. Help me with the church. Now, now, I want to begin to now share with you stages of disloyalty. Why do you need to understand this? What I'm teaching we help you also understand when you see the devil trying to enter you or use you. Because you see, the devil can use anybody. Let him understand, take heed, lest he what? For. Now, the, as I begin to share these stages and these signs, what you must understand that this loyalty does not happen overnight. It's a process. It's something that happens little by little. So you must pay attention to it in your own life. Because as you are here in church today, the devil's plan is that you will not be in church again. Because you know that there was a time in your life, Sunday morning you used to sleep. How many of you know that? You used to watch TV. You used to wash clothes. 
You are not in church, but now you are in church. Early morning, Sunday morning. So the moment you decide to follow Jesus, the devil is, ah. And he knows that the only way he can uproot you is through what? Disloyalty. So now, just as he came to Jesus and did not succeed, when the devil comes to you, he will not succeed. Amen. Do you realize that Jesus said that the devil came to me, but he found nothing in me? There must be something the devil is looking for. That when he sees the thing, he can then continue his work. You must understand it. So that when you see it in others' person or in yourself, ah, now I know. Now I know. Do you know one of the things a good doctor does? A good doctor probes for signs to be able to know the kind of sickness. Sometimes they will tell you, bring out your tongue. They will do this. They are trying, they will ask you, where is the pain? They are using those diagnoses to know the nature of the sickness. What I'm about to share with you, all right, I didn't write it. In fact, it was written by my pastor, Bishop Dag. The book is Loyalty and Disloyalty. I will take you go and get the book. It's one of the fantastic books. So don't think I'm right, saying something that is new, all right? But now, remember the aim of these signs is to identify it first in your own self and also in other people. Now, so let's look at the first sign. The first sign of disloyalty is independent spirit. What do I call it? Say it loud. Say, what do I call it? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Independent spirit. Independent spirit. Now, the Bible says that the only way the church can grow is if everybody supplies what they are called to supply. If everybody contributes their quarter. Now, I am preaching. There are people outside watching our cars. There are people ensuring that the sound is working. There are people who collect the offering. There are those who have come to sing. I can't do all those things. Now, the, the centurion servant in Luke chapter 7, verse 7 to 9, said to Jesus, I am a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he does what? Go. And to another, come, and he comes. Independent spirit is simply that you are part of that organization, but you are not under authority. To be independent means that you are part of the organization, but you have your own vision. You have your own plan that is outside of that organization. So in other words, you do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and you cannot be told to do otherwise. So independent spirit makes you say, I love this church. I'm part of this church. I love the choir. I'm part of the choir. But you see, I want to do what I want to do. When I want to do it. How I want to do it. The way I want to do it. So for instance, in a church, they can say that we are fasting on Tuesday. Independent spirit person will say, no. Me, before I join this church, I fast every Wednesday. So I will not join your Tuesday fasting. So, and you can't do anything about it. This is how I've been doing it before I joined this church. Now I cannot do it. Your Tuesday fast. Independent spirit is what you will hear when they say that, okay, we are doing rise to glory between 6 to 7 a.m. Say, no, may I do my own prayer in the night. So I cannot join rise to glory. You see, when you are 
on, in an organization, always find that your ambition must not be contrary to the ambition of that organization. Your vision must be in alignment with that of the organization. In fact, the vision of the organization trumps, overrides your own personal vision. Your vision must be subordinated to the larger vision of the organization. This was what made Satan to fall. He said, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. I will, I will, I will go into the star. He had his own plan. Even as he was there as the choir master in heaven, he was planning that he was going to have his, do his own thing. And God cast him out. That there cannot be two heads in a place. One of the things I do, I always watch out for independent spirit before I draw people near to myself. There are times, you know, I remember before I moved closer to a particular brother in church, I realized he likes keeping his beard. He likes keeping his beard. But as I was going to move closer and depend on him, I have to run the independent spirit test. So I said, why do you like, you know, they say, oh, pastor, I like my beard. I like it. You know, and I know that he's very, so I said, you know, my friend, you know, I want you to start cutting your beard and let it look like my own. That when we are going out together, we'll resemble. He said, hey, pastor, is that what you want? No problem. And by the next week when I saw him, he had gone to barb his hair, cut the shave very well, even though he did not like it. You see, he's thinking organization. He's not thinking of self. In, an independent person think of self, not organization. So if you have an independent person in a group, we say, oh, we are meeting by 6 p.m. Say, no, it's not convenient. 7 p.m., it's not convenient. So you will see that you are always changing the time of your meeting because of one person, and still the person will not come. Because it's just independent spirit. I, I, I heard somebody said the other time that, that, you know, why are you not coming for meeting? He said, you know, going into 2023, I have my own plans. So my plans is what I am executing. But you are part of our group. You are part of the group. We need you. He said, no, the, the, the meeting time is not in alignment with my time. So I, it's, co it's coinciding with my plan. But he wants to be in that place. You see, ironically, independent people don't leave a church. They love the church. But the only thing is that they, they are not bounded or binded by the authority that governs that church. And they are not ready to drop it. So, you know, uh, you know, in my former church, in my former church, this is how we do it. Eh? We do it like this, like this. But yes, we understand. But now God has brought you into this church. Then you have to learn how it is done here. Every church has a culture. Yeah. Hallelujah. You have to learn it. You have to learn it. Some of my closest friends today in church, some, what has made us close is that I tested and I realized that they were ready to let go of independent spirit. Some of them don't come early to church before. I can mention quite a number of them. They are not used to it. They are not okay. But I told them, I said, I need you. You are good. I want you to be your friend. But the thing is that I need you to start coming early to church. I want you to start joining prayer. And you see, yes, sir. Pram, pram, pram. Because can two walk together except they what? Agree. Look how, you know, there's a scripture that I would like us, I will read later on. To. So we must strive to overcome what? Independent spirit. In fact, most of us should learn that that's the first, so, is the most subtle form of disloyalty. You would think you are doing the right thing. What is it that causes cancer in the body? Cancer is a product of an independent cell. The cell that says, I want to eat more than every other cell. So the cell has just gone rogue. 
The cell in the body, that part of the body, is not controlled by what is governing. And that is what becomes a cancer. Go and find out. So cancerous cells are just independent cells who does what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. And eventually you realize that they become harmful to the body. Independent spirit makes you harmful to the church. It makes you harmful to the church. Amen. Amen. Say with me, I get rid of independent spirit. The second stage, which is the final stage for today, is offense. Oh, offense. I like this one. Offense. Offense. Matthew 24, verse 10. This is one prophecy you must avoid in your life. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Offense. Is a prophecy that in the church you will be offended. It's either I offend you first or you, me, or you offend me. But the Bible says that when you don't undo offense well, season of offense is what leads people to become disloyal in the church. Those who are offended when they don't know how to manage offense well. Because already the Bible has said if you don't know how to handle offense well, it will make you become a betrayer. Offense will make you turn to a Judas. So you must know that yes, offense will come. But I must know how to handle it well. Now when there is injury on your leg, that is why you see they quickly get, give you anti-tetanus injection. Because now that there is an injury, they know that if you don't treat it well, if you don't handle it well, that injury can attract tetanus. Do you know that you don't see tetanus physically? But you don't even know when tetanus comes. But you just see that when tetanus is there, it, ordinary injury can then turn to something else. Seizures and high temperature and others. It's because the man or the woman did not treat that injury well. If you don't treat offense well, it will make you turn to a betrayer. So you must learn how to handle offense. And how do you handle offense? Let me show you how to handle offense. Whenever you are offended... The greatest mistake you can make that can make it lead to cancer, to disloyalty, is when you keep the offense inside of you. Don't keep it in yourself. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22, when Amnon raped this sister of Absalom, and Absalom looked at his brother, Amnon, and saw what he had done to his sister, the Bible said for two years... Absalom neither said good nor bad. He kept it for two years. In verse 23 of 2 Samuel chapter 13. So after two full years, he didn't talk to, he didn't say it out. When somebody offends you in church, feel free to approach the person. Talk about it. Haven't you been there that when somebody offends you, as you are thinking about it more, you are becoming more angry. And before you know it, yeah, no wonder that day when I even greeted him, she, he just looked at me. Maybe that day he didn't know anything. One of the ways I know that offense can be deep, I was doing my naming ceremony one day. This was after about two years of marriage, all right? And a woman attended my naming ceremony, an elderly woman. And I greeted her, and let mommy, good morning. She said, ah, okay, Mileni. You know that what in Yoruba, you, mean, you greeted me today. And she said, on your wedding day, you didn't greet me. Two years ago. So that means two years out, me that on my wedding day, the only person, the only thing I'm seeing is my wife. On my wedding day, even though I'm seeing you, what I'm seeing is honeymoon. 
I, I don't see, if I, I remember that as we are at the reception, and I say, uh, all those things were not in my mind. Because I, somehow on my wedding day, the devil was telling me that Jesus was going to come. And I was begging Jesus not to come. Me and, I, as I, on my, I'm telling you, I don't know. Because I, I have been preaching, telling people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then all of a sudden, I woke up on my wedding day. The, the, the mind began to tell me, Jesus will come today. I said, I roll. After spending all this money, then Jesus wants to come now. Uh, so as I was there in my reception, I was looking at the time. Even if Jesus wants to come, let me quickly go to the hotel now. Uh, so you are now saying, I, don't, uh, you are not saying I should greet you. When I think that Jesus will come and I will not go for my honeymoon. No, I didn't know. But you could, she could have called me. She could have called me. Sister, when you keep quiet, that injury will become infested with spiritual tetanus. It will start small, but it will become big. It will start small. I've seen people who, who are good people leave a church because they didn't handle offense well. They kept quiet. They felt that, you see, Absalom knew that David did not do the right thing because David was supposed to kill Amnon. David, according to the law of Moses, David was supposed to get rid of Amnon. But do you know what? David did not do anything. And it even made Absalom more angry that my father did not handle this matter well. Listen to me. There may even be a time that even a, your pastor may not handle a case well. You may, like, I may not handle it well. But you should feel free to say, Pastor, this is what I felt you should do. This is what I felt you should do. This is what I felt. Or there may be a time, you know, there were two, uh, you know, two good friends now in church. There are two good friends now in church. But I remember it was when I had a class and they began to joke about the, the time that they first came to church. And the sister said, you know, that day the ushers were ushering me. And this sister was seated at the, at the first seat. And the usher just told, went, meant to tell her that, okay, please stand up. So that this sister can come inside and sit down. But the person that was seated thought that the usher was saying that stand up so that she can sit on your seat. And she's like. And when she, you know, women, they speak more with their eyes and their body than with their mouth. Men, they use mouth, but women use body. A woman can slap you with her body and you feel the slap. Women. Ah! They, have you not seen one? And you just fall under the anointing. <laughs> oh, women, very powerful. So she still said that when she did not stand up, she used to look at what's wrong with this one? And then she said, I will leave you with your jerrycan of kunu. And they both sat there. But you know, as they sat in the meeting, and this one heard the part, and that one, they began to laugh. They are very good friends today, but thank God it was handled well. Do you know that if it was not handled well, they can be bitter for life? There are a lot of people who are bitter in the church because of offense. Because of offense. Now, look at what Romans 16 verse 17 says. Romans 16 verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren. I'm not the one that wrote it to It's the Bible I'm reading. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. One of the things that the Bible says we should do is to avoid those who spend, who, who causes division and offense. So what does that mean? 
you are offended, but you are not spreading it. That church, they are not good. They don't care for people. They don't help people. They don't do this. And do you know what happened? Sometimes, because of that, good people also miss their opportunity. Because when they hear it, they, they for no just cause, become offended. I always remember some years ago, a lady came to church and was very dedicated in her car. And later when I looked at her, I said, we can help this lady. So I said to the choir leader, tell her, why is she not going to school? She said, oh, they don't have money to send her to school in her home. I said, okay, you know what? Tell her that we'll give her a scholarship to open university. We'll help her to go to school. She was happy. Scholarship to open university. So she went home and go, and she went to go and discuss. Not knowing that someone within the church has also gone to visit the home. And the Bible says, ah, hmm, that church, if they help you, you have entered one chance. I've been there for some time. That church, if you take it, you are on your own. They will spread the news. They will tell it on the mountain. They don't collect it, oh. So the girl said, her parents said, why are they not giving other people? Why are they giving you? And she says she doesn't want it. She's no longer in our church because she's traveled into another state. But it's been many years. I am telling you, she has not gone to even 100 level in any school. What? She fell victim of one who spread offense and division in the church. Do you know what it means? How many people will look at you and say they want to send you to school? But you see, she fell victim of a church slayer. Now, six things that you will see when an offended person visits you. Six things you will see when you are visited by somebody who is offended. Number one, they will introduce you to nakedness. When you are, when you are associated with people who are offended and you, are, you spend time in communication with them or you allow them to visit you, spend time with you, these are the six things that will happen. They will introduce you to nakedness. Genesis chapter 3 verse 10 to 11. When Satan entered into the garden in place of um, a snake, what happened was that from that day, when God came into the garden, Adam and Eve went to go and hide themselves. And when God said, Adam, where are you? He said, oh, when we hear your voice, we went to go and hide ourselves. He said, why? He said, because we were naked. And do you know what, what God asked? God did not say, why are you naked? God said, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Why did it? God not say, what? Because God knew I've been coming to you all along. Spending time with you. You never complained that you were naked. Now, you saw me and you ran away from me. Then God said, who told you? When you see people start misbehaving in church, the question you should ask is, who told you you are naked? Who told you you are naked? And he said, it was. That is what offend people does. They go around from house to house. You hear, ah, now you the rain now. It's your turn now. Ah, they go soon show you. They, they are not, they go soon show you. Ah, we were once like you, but, hmm, mm. Say, hmm. They, they live, they live insinuations. Why are you not happy? Ah, you will not understand. You will not understand. 
And by the time they finish, you yourself, you enter and say, ah, it's like this church, I need to be very careful. They open your neck. And last but not the least for today, you will begin to exhibit strange behavior. When those who are offended visit you, you will begin to exhibit what? Strange behavior. Look at Adam and Eve. Who used to love coming to church? Who used to love dancing in church? Now, they have to be running away from God. There was a certain church. You know, when I saw Brother Ewai jumping around this morning, I just remember that story. The choir leader used to jump when he's singing. Do you see Ewai say, Ah! And he would just jump. So rumor began to spread in the church that he was having the choir leader and the praise leader was having an affair in, with the, one of the members of the choir. And that's why she, anytime she jumped, don't you see that? He used to look and be happy. So that small thing then spread. You know, there's a way it spread. Then you hear somebody say, many people are saying. When somebody says, many people are saying, you say, who is saying? Because not many people, it's actually one person that is saying it. <laughs> so this choir leader, when he heard, of course, he thought it was a joke. So he heard that they said that he was having an affair with people in the choir. So you know what he did? So whenever he's jumping, he stopped going towards the choir side. Then he began to now move towards the pastor side. Then the new rumor said, aha, we said it. We said, do you now see that he's moving towards the pastor side? So when he heard again, now finally, do you know when he's now singing? Whenever he wants to jump, he'll be like this. Eventually, the brother stopped jumping. That is how jumping spirit left him. Why? So, when the brother wants to now sing, you see him, don't he praise God? I say, praise God. What is wrong with you? I say, ah, they said if I jump, I'm having an affair with people. Do you know that accusation have a way of weakening people? Accusation have a way of taking up glory from a church. Accusation has a way of taking happiness away from the church. If you see today that you are exhibiting strange behavior, you are no longer happy in the church. You are no longer making friends in the church. You are suspicious of people in the church. The question is, who told you that the church is not a happy place? Who told you that you will not be loved? Who told you that you will not be cared for? The question I want to ask you is that, who is that serpent that has been speaking to you? It is time. The Bible says, mark them. And what should you do? Cut them off. Avoid them. Because in the church, we need to fight for love. We need to fight for unity. And we need to fight for oneness. May the love of God fill our church. Stand to your feet with me today. I love that song, the chorus, that song. I love this family of God. Come on, hold somebody on your side. So close, we are knitted into one. They have taken me into their hands and I'm so glad to be a part of this great family. Now, we cannot afford to fight one another. We cannot afford not to care for one another. We're supposed to be the friend, the mother, the father to one another. So I want you to lift your voice and look for somebody around. Hold your hands in chains. 
Say, Lord, I pray for my friend. I pray for my fellow brother. Lord, I pray that the spirit of love and unity will reign in our church. We fill our heart again that we'll stand united. We'll stand in love. We'll stand undivided. Lift your voice and pray for your fellow church members. Pray for your fellow believers. Lift your voice and hold the person and say, I pray for this person. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when I spoke about independent spirit, don't you realize that sometimes you are not doing anything, but you just feel like, I can't go to church early. Even though you are told you are doing nothing, I don't want to join. That is because it weakens the church. I want you to pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We bind independent spirit. We bind the spirit of offense. And we declare that the hand of God is filling our heart with love. Is filling our church with unity. Is filling our church with oneness. I want you to pray concerning yourself and the person you are holding. Say, in the name of Jesus, every spirit of independent spirit, every spirit of offense that might have laid siege or laid hold of my brother, of my sister, I command you, Faust, we lose your hold. We bind it today. We cast you out of our church and we claim the love of God. Can we lift up our voice as we pray? Lift your voice and pray for your neighbor. Lift your voice and pray for your neighbor. Pray for him or her. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want you to pray. Another will not take your place. You see, the Bible says that Bible in Acts chapter 1 says, Judas was one of us. But now another has to take his place. God has a place for you in the church. I want you to pray for your neighbor. Say, another will not take your place. Bible said, I will dwell in the house of God forever. May anything that wants to uproot you from the church will bind you today. That another will not take your place. You will fulfill your place in the body of Christ. Lift your voice and pray for yourself and your neighbor. Lift your voice and pray for yourself and your neighbor. That this person I'm holding, we pray that another will not take your place. You will not be uprooted. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we declare in Jesus' name. That another will not take your place. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we lift up your church. 
I will lift up every one of us into your hand. We know that wherever the children of God are gathered, there the enemy is also in their midst. The Bible said that he has transformed himself as an angel of light. He seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But we declare in our church, Satan, you will not succeed in killing anyone here. Amen. We declare in this church, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you will not succeed in destroying this church. Amen. We declare in the name of Jesus, Satan, you will not steal our peace in this church. Amen. We pray for everyone and every family in this church that we shall grow up stronger in love, in unity, in oneness, in happiness, in the name of Jesus. We declare that we shall stand by one another. We shall help one another. We shall love one another. We shall pray for one another. In the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, oh God, that our love, your love will take over this church. Now, Satan, we command you to take your load out of this church. Disunity out of this church. Offense out of this church. Whatever causes division out of this place. Our children will be blessed. Our marriages will be blessed. Our career is blessed. In the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we declare that as we go into this week, the blessing of the Lord that passeth all understanding, we declare that this blessing is following us. I pray for you today that you will multiply in the grace of God. Oh, this is the last week of October. And by the next time we are seeing, we will see this week and also in the new month. I pray this month of October will end well for you. Amen. October will not end in disaster for you. Amen. October will not end in shame for you. Amen. October will not end in defeat for you. Amen. You will not have carry over in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every blessing that the Lord has shed you for October, as you enter into this week, I declare, they shall come to pass speedily in the name of Jesus. Uh-uh. Now the month of November is coming. I pray you will cross over with joy. Every of your expectation this year will not be cut short. The remaining things that you are believing God for, may God send the help for you to accomplish it. In the name of Jesus. Receive the blessings of God. Receive the peace of God. Receive the help of God. In the name of Jesus. Your family is blessed. Your career is blessed. Your children is blessed. Your home is blessed. Your marriage is blessed. Those who scatter home will not scatter your home. Those who truncate your career will not truncate your own career. Those who cause sorrow will not succeed in your life. We silence the voice of the accuser. Every evil voice speaking accusation against your life. I declare let them be silenced in the name of Jesus. Every mouth of the slanderer smearing and slandering you in any way. Let them be silenced in the name of Jesus. Those who are lifted up against you, let them fall for your sake. Let them fall for your sake. Now the eyes that are waiting for your shame, they will only see your lifting up. In the name of Jesus. Now receive grace to wait upon the Lord this week. Receive grace to pray like never before this week. In Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. Shout a louder amen. 
put those hands together for Jesus. Thank you for tuning in on this episode. We hope you've been blessed and empowered to transcend new heights of faith and growth. Stay connected with us for more empowering and faith-filled messages. And remember, you are part of a community committed to transformation. Until next time, go forth empowered by God's grace.